Welcome back. Season 2 of Pizza People. I'm your host, Angelo Bizarro, and your guest is none other than me. This episode is called Burnt Slice, solely for the purpose of the last year has been pretty amazing with some high of highs, some low of lows, but overall just life. Last time we spoke, um, I know I talked to the Terrence about his basketball program, which is doing phenomenal. Love catching up with him and everyone. I usually uh, keep up with a lot of my old guests. Uh, Trevor's still doing his snack hacks. I talked to Lou not too long ago. You know, Greek bees are still doing their things. But this is not going to be your normal episode. This is more or less about what I've been doing. Because a lot of people have been asking uh, if I'm going to continue this podcast, if I'm going to continue doing anything, really. So, back in May of 2022, I had a freak accident happen to me when I broke my foot. So, you would think breaking your foot, a lot of downtime, you would uh, do this podcast more because you're bored. Well, I actually always have the opposite effect. When I'm stuck at home, I actually start going a little um, stir-crazy because I'm so used to interacting with people, talking to people, whatever, whatever. And um, it was a very, very rough month, per se. You know, um, I felt like I was starting to get in a routine of life, enjoying everything, enjoying just being 35 and being happy. So as um, I don't know if many people would have known this, but uh, me and my wife decided to um, proceed adoption. And if anyone has ever gone through adoption, uh, understands the just the whole thing, like the emotional baggage and the roller coaster, I guess would be a better word. And um, we started the process back, we decided in November of 21 that we should probably start looking into adoption. And in January, uh, thanks to the help of Ashlyn Harris uh, giving us some leeway of who to contact and whatnot, because we tried Googling things and if anyone knows Google, which I think everyone in this world does, it's it's <laughs> an empty hole. So we needed some guidance and thank you to her for helping us. We linked up uh, with the group. Uh, they did a home study back in January and we got approved, I believe the end of January, early February. So me and my wife were excited that, hey, we're going to start this adoption progress. Well, because of COVID... Uh, a lot of people weren't having kids and a lot of people weren't giving kids up for adoption. And I hate saying giving up because you're not giving up. You're actually, I feel like, are giving life to uh, your child. You know, and I, I hope people realize that, that we're blessed to be able to try to adopt a child, but the parents giving the child up um, is also trying to give the best life ever. So um, 
Yeah. So we're going through all the process. This is now in February. We have to do a book, a profile book, and we have to get our house situated, a couple little knickknacks, like a gate around the pool, stuff like that. Uh, letters of recommendations from family and friends, which, you know, everybody was so gracious that did it for us and so quickly too, nonetheless. So as we're moving forward, um, we're just stuck. You know, we're, we're trying to find an agency, trying to find a group, trying to find anything to help us, start us basically to put our name out there to adopt. And they, every person we talk to would say it will take anywhere between a year and a half to two years. And it kind of bummed us out a little because uh, I know it sounds crazy. We just felt like father time was catching up to us. I can't speak on my wife's thing, but I, I can tell you about me. Um, it was it was tough to hear that two years, three years. So um, come the beginning of May, we're in this Facebook group and um, we get an email saying that there's a situation, uh, an opportunity presented itself. In the beginning of, uh, I believe, April or May. I can't remember now because it's all blur. Um, and we missed the email by two hours. And it looked like a good situation. And we missed the email. So we're like, dang, that, that stinks, you know? So that's another thing that people don't realize is you get presented all these situations. And it's, I had to explain to people, it's like, you're not just bringing home a puppy. You're not bring, you're bringing home a child, so every situation might sound good, but there might be some red flags that aren't necessarily good for you. Now, this is what's going to sound so horrible: is any child is amazing, and anyone willing to have you chosen to be their parent is amazing. But you have to be very selfish. You have to be, because you don't want to put yourself in a position to adopt a child and make their life harder not saying that you're a bad parent not saying you're a bad person but maybe it just doesn't link up right so i would say yes to some situation my wife would say no my wife would say yes to some situation i would say no so you gotta you have to have a very level head you gotta you gotta be selfish like it has to make sense so i break my foot stuck at home and um yeah it's just it sucks you know, not talking to anyone. Uh, my wife gets home and she goes, hey, that situation that presented itself, either April or May, I don't remember, um, the birth mom didn't find anyone. She's like, why don't we present? I was like, where's that located? She's like, Arizona. I was like, why the fuck would I go to Arizona? Like that's so And I got a broken foot. No. She's like, what are the odds us getting selected? One. Two, it's a good way to learn how to accept rejection which if and uh, if some people that happens you know you might apply and apply you might present yourself and the situation comes in and it looks perfect and then last second birth parents are like you know what this isn't what i'm looking for so you get crushed and i looked at my uh megan and i was just like i don't know i don't know if i have the heart to get turned down she's like well this is the whole reason why we're doing this you know like let's just try if it happens, it happens. Great. If it doesn't, you know, we we got to mentally prepare. Cool. So 
That was on a Wednesday. Friday, that Friday, uh, so that Thursday, uh, Making Presents the Profile Book, Does Everything, la, 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 la. Friday, she gets off work. It's around 4.30. And she calls me. She's just angry. She's like, this number keeps calling me. I was like, who is she? She goes, I don't know. I don't answer random numbers. So I was like, all right. So on the third time this number called, Megan's like, you know what? Let me just answer. I was like, all right, cool. Hang up the phone. And she texts me within three, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Oh my God, bub, we've been selected. And I'm just sitting reading this, like we've been selected. Like what? She's like, I'll call you right back. Well, unbeknownst to us, we presented our book and we were the last ones to present it. And we got selected which is unheard of. First time presenting, first time doing anything and getting selected. We're, we're thinking two, three years. It took us two, three months. First present, like, man. We're like, okay. Talk to the lawyers and everything. And the baby was supposed to do on June 29th, which is pretty cool to me because I have my first guest, TJ. His birthday is June 29th. Uh, my brother-in-law, Nick's birthday. My niece Gabby's birthday, um, Gabby's grandmother's birthday, all June 29th. So June 29th is very special to me because I know a lot of people that have that birthday. So we were excited. We're like, all right, that gives us roughly a month, six weeks uh, before the baby comes. Cool. Remind you, I have a broken foot. So I was like, all right, we got to get this house situated. I had a couple of friends come by and paint the baby's room, which was awesome, but... I had uh, my best friend Greg came over, him and his wife literally took two bedrooms, stripped them all down, put them in the garage, moved everything, all the furniture while I'm just literally hopping around trying to help and he's telling me just to sit down. And, you know, I'm very, very blessed to have that. And, you know, I didn't feel like I'm, I was doing enough, but what can a guy do with a broken foot? So June 14th, we get to speak with the birth mom and we're talking to her via zoom and it was a beautiful beautiful uh, interaction she asked megan to be in the delivery room uh to cut the umbilical cord to do whatever which was honor we were honored to do that but she's like some sad news is the baby's not due now june 29th she's due june 22nd you know because i'm having a c-section awesome cool one week earlier we got this perfect so it's been roughly two weeks now since we got the news that we were going to be parents. Well, the next day, June 15th at 9.50 p.m., me and Megan, I just got off my um, cast and was able to get a walking boot. So we went to go celebrate. Went to Long Doggers with our friend Cherie, her son Zane. And um, we're sitting there and I'm like, hey, Megan, why is... The lawyer calling us now. So now my eyes, lawyer calling you late at night, that's not a good sign. You know, we just FaceTimed the mom. Maybe she saw something she didn't like. Maybe she didn't want to do this anymore. So, you know, all like anxiety just kicks in. And the lawyer gets on the phone and I was like, hello. She's like, congratulations, mommy and daddy. And I was like, what? Our daughter was born a little bit earlier than expected. She was born June 15th in Arizona. 
So, of course, we're crying hysterically. And me and Megan just pack our bags as quick as we can, call our family. We call all our friends, all our family, saying, hey, we're out. We're going to Arizona. Uh, the baby's here. We got to go. It's a girl. So we next morning comes, we get on a plane, and we fly to Arizona. Well, the thing about adoption is you have to trust the birth mother's word, no matter what. Because, you know, you don't want to cause any red flags, whatever. So we're assuming we're going to get to the hospital, hold our brand new baby, three days max in the hospital. You know, because there was no red flags, there was no nothing. <laughs> and um, probably be in Arizona 10 days, come home. Well, that wasn't our case. What happened was we get to Arizona and we touch down and the lawyer's like, well, you know, just wait, go grab some, go, go check into your hotel. So, all right, check into the hotel, get the rental car. Um, like, can we come to the hospital now? The lawyer's like, uh, go grab some lunch. So me and Megan are kind of like hesitant. We're like, um, something doesn't feel right. Like, why aren't they letting go see the baby? Maybe, maybe the mom didn't want to sign off the rights or something. We have no idea. So we get done having lunch and remind you, we're in Arizona. It's only me and Megan. We know nobody, not a single soul. And we get to the hospital and the lawyer basically tells us like, hey, we just want to let you guys know the birth mom tested positive. I was like, fuck, man, damn, she got COVID. It's not going to affect the baby. You know, are we not allowed to see the baby now because maybe the baby has COVID? COVID might be, we know COVID's horrible for children. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever your belief is, it's hearsay. They're saying, I don't really care. But this is what's going on with me. And the lawyer looks at me and goes, No, she tested positive for methamphetamines. And me and Megan just look at each other. We're like, What? She, She was sober, we thought. She's like, Well, I guess she lied. So after we got off the phone with her back in June 14th, we don't know what happened. We never really asked. But on June 15th, uh, our daughter was born, like I said. But she was born at home, breached. And if anyone knows about being breached, it's when the baby's feet come out first. So the mom and the grandmother basically uh, self-delivered her home. Get to the hospital. We get there. And... There's a cute little baby, just all the nurses around her. And they're like, this is your daughter. Of course, crying, all the emotions. And uh, we're like, are there any, is, is she okay? Is there anything wrong? Like, no, she seems fine. She seems perfect. And let me tell you, she looked perfect. She was so tiny, had this little button nose. And man, I, I now understood the, you never knew love at first sight until you see your child. So that's what I felt. I felt like this is what's been missing in my life for so long. And um, yeah, so we're sitting there. You know, we FaceTime my family, FaceTime friends, loved ones, everyone, you know, FaceTime everybody. Show her the baby, you know, we're so excited. Remind you, we're in Arizona, anywhere else. We'd be home, cigars in hand, family come banging on the window, looking at the, like, you know, how you see the movies. So I probably have been up now roughly 20 hours at this time. So Megan's looking at me, she goes, how about this? Get some sleep. 
And in a couple hours, you'll take the second shift. I'll get some sleep. I'm like, cool, whatever, perfect. So I fall asleep. Well, the moment I fell asleep, things happen. Now, there's a reason why I'm going into all this detail. I'll get into it later in the episode. Well, I wake up. It's like 3 in the morning now, Arizona time. So, And it's quiet. It's dark. It's quiet. And I was like, wow, that's weird. The baby's quiet. No noise. No heart monitors. What the fuck? So I wake up Megan. I'm like, hey, um, where's the baby? And Megan's like, you don't remember? I was like, I don't remember what. She goes, the baby started showing signs of withdrawal. And we had to take her down to the NICU. So, of course, I start crying. I'm like, wow, I failed as a dad. And the reason why I feel this way, and I've you know, I've talked to people about it, is the one moment my daughter needed me and I felt like my wife needed me, I was just asleep. So that's just something I got to get through, whatever, whatever. Um, well, so she's like, just go downstairs. They know who you are. Cool. So I go downstairs and they're like, uh, you can't come see the baby. I was like, I'm her father. What do you mean I can't come see the baby? They're like, well, you don't have a bracelet. If anyone knows anything about NICU stays is you get two bracelets that identifies that you are this child's parent. And But the thing is, if you have a bracelet, you can bring a guest. Well, Megan had a bracelet because she brought the baby down. Uh, our daughter's birth mom had a bracelet. She left. So I have to now wait for Megan to take me downstairs. So she wakes up, we go downstairs, I get to see the baby, all hooked up to the, it looks way worse than it was, I feel like, uh, just all the wires, it's just sad, so, so sad, you know, TV doesn't do it justice, nothing should ever, could ever prepare you mentally, seeing what you're seeing, and parents that have had NICUs and whatnot, some worse, some not, even if it's only for a day, it's just, you don't want to see your child like that, you really don't. So, obviously we're upset or whatever, and we're staying there. Well, Megan says, like, you know, I'm I'm not starting to feel too well. It's like, okay, okay, okay. So we leave, go to the hotel. Well, Megan spikes a fever, I think it was like 100. So she can't go to the hospital. She doesn't want to get near the baby. So she does the COVID test, comes back negative. She just had a really bad, I think it was like, uh... Sinus infection, respiratory infection, whatever, that just got out of control. So now Megan's sick, can't see the baby. I can't see the baby because I don't have a guest pass, you know. I'm not saying some rules were bent, you know, quote unquote. I'm not saying anything like that, but I was blessed enough to have a wonderful, wonderful staff at uh, Shea Hospital. That when we had no one, they treated me and Megan like family. And they treated my little girl like it was their own. So I'm grateful for them. And I was able to still see my daughter without Megan. Here's the kicker. The first day I get to hold my daughter, it's just me and her, was my first ever Father's Day. So my first Father's Day, it's just me and my little girl. And a NICU. No one else. And the hospital's all quiet. No one's even there. They take pictures. It was really cute. They took care of us. But it was just me and my little girl. <clears throat> and um, it's not ideal. 
But I will say it's something I kind of cherish that was just me and her. Now, Megan was sick for about four or five days. So she didn't get to. So I got to go to the hospital every day. And the one thing I am grateful about NICU stays is I've never changed a dirty diaper a day in my life. <laughs> they taught me how to change a diaper, how to hold her, how to bathe her, how to do all this stuff. Um, so I got to do all that. While we were in Arizona, my mother-in-law came out and stayed with us. Good seeing familiar faces, loved it. Then my sister Amory came out. That was fun. You know, love having my older sister. She's very, very protective. Doesn't like giving hugs, but she'll give a hug every once in a while. Um, and then my mom came. Well, while all this was going on, I realized I haven't been sleeping much. And then I start to realize I'm having a mental breakdown. Because I felt guilty that I fell asleep. So every time Megan would be like, hey, why don't we just go get dinner? I'm like, no, 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 I can't go. I got to see the baby. I got to make sure. Even though she was in a NICU stage, she was perfectly fine. My mind went to last time I left her, something bad happened. What happens if I'm not there? Megan's like, you need to sleep. Talk to friends. Friends were like, you need to get some sleep. She's okay. She's going to be okay. I didn't want to hear anything from anyone. And I was starting to get homesick. Once again, we knew nobody. And I'm a very, very social person. So um, there was that. So we're in the NICU now roughly 20 days. We finally, finally graduate. And they call it a graduation um, because you're graduating outside the NICU and now you're about to be parents to us. So that was cool. Um, they did a whole bell ceremony. It was really, really cool. Like I said, that hospital treated us right. So right. So now we're holding our little girl and we're home. And now here I am still having a mental breakdown without admitting that I'm having a mental breakdown. Admitting that not everything's okay, like in my mind. But now that our baby's sleeping and I'm like, there's no one here. It's just me and her. So now I'm petrified to fall asleep because what happens if something else happens? Because the one thing about <coughs> um, babies that have issues or drug exposure is you might not si- see signs for days, weeks, months, even years. So now I am petrified. So we go to the, um, get her checkups. Uh, they say she looks fine. We fly, we, before we fly home, um, we actually had the pleasure of meeting the birth mom. She was kind of hesitant at first, but we got to meet her. We went to a Starbucks and it was only supposed to be for like 20 minutes of a hi, how are you? Thank you so much for selecting us, you know, but it was a, it was like two and a half hour conversation. Man, was it amazing. We learned so much. And we keep in contact. Um, we write emails back and forth. Well, we write emails. And sometimes she responds, sometimes she doesn't. I just jumped a gun a little bit too much, so I'm going to rewind a little bit. Of uh, There was this one moment while being in the hospital that sucked. When you're adopting a child, you have a 72-hour window from the time the baby is born for the parents to sign over their rights. Remind you, Megan's sick. I'm in the hospital by myself. 72 hours comes up, we don't hear from the lawyer. I was like, what the fuck? 73 hours, 74 hours, and then finally we get a phone call. 
or a text message, I'm sorry. Congratulations, she's yours. Obviously crying. I can't even go hug Megan because she's still sick. So we get I get in the hotel room and I'm just dancing in the kitchen and she's lifelessly just throwing her hands up in the air. So So anyway, we meet the birth mom, have a conversation with her. And one of the questions we asked were, why us? Because think about that. Why why would somebody select the way I see it was, why would you pick me? You had a hundred books and we were the last ones. Why us? And she said, you lived in Florida, which I thought was cool. You have tattoos and you work at a pizzeria. And I just looked at her. I'm like, all right, that was a stupid, stupid thing. She's like, no, honestly, like it felt real. I was like, okay. Like everyone's book is different, but a mom's intuition is never wrong. So her last motherly intuition was she selected me and Megan to be this little girl's parents. So obviously we're coming home now, fly across the state or the country, get to Florida, get home. Now we get to see everyone. Now all the fun's happening. We get to see loved ones, family, friends, Everybody, Megan has a baby sprinkle. Like, friends are coming over for dinner, and you know, just so much joy and life and everything. But I'm still not right. Something's feeling wrong with me, and I can't put my finger on it. My daughter's fine, but I'm not. I start to realize I'm drinking more. I'm not saying I'm a full blown alcoholic or nothing like that, because no. But I was drinking more to numb some kind of pain that I can't figure out. Because, you know, and everyone is like, well, you're a new dad. Megan's a new mom. This is normal. This is normal. So, okay, yeah, normal. But what I was feeling didn't feel normal. But I always felt that men can't speak about what's wrong. So if I would say something, people, you know, I don't want to have a pity party, whatever, whatever. Started going a little bit more into this depression, it felt like. And why am I depressed? You know, I have a beautiful... Now, I'm thinking in my head now that we have a beautiful, healthy girl, which she is, you know, knock on wood. Everything seems right. Why am I so depressed? What is wrong with me? So I just call, keep falling deeper and deeper and deeper and keep drinking and drinking and, you know, self-medicating or whatever. <coughs> Until one day I just... Realize I'm like, this isn't right. And I talked to a couple of friends and I said, something doesn't right. And, you know, friends were like, why don't you just seek help? I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Seek help. Like, come on, what is this? We don't seek help. We just figure it out. You know, so denying it, denying it. And so one day I was like, you know what? My goal in life is to give this little girl the best life she can possibly have. So I need to be better. I can't show her that I'm Superman when I'm crumbling inside. I have to show her that we're all human. That even mommies and daddies are going to have hard times and it's okay. It's okay. It's always okay. So communicating with some friends more and whatnot, I um, decided to get some help. So I go to my doctor 
tell him my issues and he um, links me up with the right people and, um, you know, start doing therapy, which you would think is easy just talking to people, but it's a lot harder. This podcast, I feel like, is a lot easier than going to therapy. So I start doing therapy. But while in therapy, I feel like I'm not doing it right. Something's not right because I'm still drinking or whatever. Nothing's right. You know, me and Megan are in a weird spot. But, you know, everyone says that's normal, new parents, okay. But what kept on going in my mind was everybody has anywhere between six to nine months to become a parent. Me and Megan had two weeks. And it just gave me a mental breakdown, I feel like. And I'm not blaming my daughter. She is the love of my life, the greatest thing I've ever had happen to me. Truly, truly joy. Joy. That's all. Like, just when I see her, she's just joy. So I start doing therapy for real, for real. And one thing that I learned from that is journaling. So I really enjoy journaling. At first it was a couple sentences, then a couple paragraphs, then a paragraph turns to a page. And, you know, it's, it, it helps. It helps. Uh, it helps whatever emotion you're going through. And I'm not saying it's for everyone. I'm just saying this is for me. This helps me. You know, and communicating. Try to communicate with people. Um, I realized that I have... Um, I was suffering from ADHD, which if you guys know me, that kind of makes sense. But it was always a joke. But, you know, it, it is a real thing. And um, horrible anxiety. And because of the anxiety, overthinking. Because I was always thinking, oh, my God, what's going to be worse? And people that suffer from these things, it, it's, it's hard. Like your brain, you can't just turn off your brain. And I think that's what I was doing was trying to turn off my brain by myself. And you can't do that. We, we as a society really need to talk more. And it's okay to talk and to reach out. It's okay. You know, and it's okay for men to be down. It's not okay to stay down. That's the one thing that I'm learning is everyone, a bad day could be a bad day. But a bad day is not a bad life. Not every day is supposed to be the highs of highs. But not every day is supposed to be the lows of lows either. It's okay to be content. And I'm learning this through therapy and journaling, you know, and loved ones. Um. So, that's what's been happening to me the last seven months. In seven months, I went from being a husband to a father to a man that admits that he needs help. And whoever listens to this, I don't want you guys to come in and be like, oh my God, like in like try to like I don't need the build up I don't need it like I I appreciate anyone that listens and you know do what's right for you you know I'm 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 no superhero I'm no role model by all means I'm not 
But I'm just telling you what happened to me. I really wasn't going to do this podcast ever again because I was so depressed. But then I have my little cousin make fun of me. He's like, when are we doing this again? And random people text me. So maybe this can be my outlet. Maybe Pizza People is actually my my journal, per se. Nothing changed with me. I'm still going to laugh. You know, I'm still going to be quirky. I'm still going to be all that. I'm just now accepting that I can't do everything by myself. And I'm learning. It's not going to take a day. It's not going to take a week. It's not going to take a year. It's learning. And that's what's beautiful about life. But the one thing I am going to do is teach my daughter that it's okay. Even the strongest of the strongs sometimes have bad days. You know, I'm doing this podcast right now in my room, which is funny because my daughter is actually sleeping. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? Today's the right day to do this. It's raining outside. It's just, it's the right day. I hope whoever's listening to this, you know, it's okay if you need help. Reach out. You are not weak because of it. You're not. Matter of fact, you're stronger than you would ever imagine. I respect people more that admit that they have a flaw than faking it. I'm not saying it's for everyone. But with today's generation, we need to let these kids know and adults know we have resources. Use them. Social media shouldn't just be about posting pictures of you or doing it for the gram or whatever. Use those outlets. Seek the help if you need it. What's the worst that can happen? You can actually finally find happiness or understand what's going on. I know some of the strongest people in this world that if you ever walk walk down and talk to them, you would never know the battles that they're going through and how they've been saved by random kinds of happiness and whatnot to therapy or meditation or whatever you believe in, church and all that. You can't do everything by yourself. The one thing you can do is talk to yourself and admit it's time for help. I hope this episode really, um, you guys enjoyed it. Um, There was way more details that I left out, obviously. Um, This one's a pretty short one. It's the best I could do interviewing myself. I hope you guys enjoy it. I appreciate everyone that listens. Uh, To my family and friends, I love you all. Thank you for putting up with me this last seven months because I know it hasn't been easy. I am not an easy person. I know that. I'm learning. I'm learning. So, season two, guys. This one's called Burnt Slice because I felt like I was burning out. But it's okay. Because even sometimes a burnt slice tastes good. I love you all. And can't wait to see who's coming on to this crazy, crazy season. See you guys soon.